Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall. As I interview leaders in the industry, we'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. This podcast is sponsored by Point Studio. They are the best gripping socks for bar, yoga, dance, and basically all studio workouts. These socks are the next best thing to being barefoot. And listeners of the Bar Variations podcast get 15% off their order with the code BARVARIATIONS. That's code BARVARIATIONS, all one word, to receive 15% off your next purchase at pointstudio.com. Are you a bar addict, a social butterfly, or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy now, pay later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. Hi, listeners. Welcome to episode 16 of the Bar Variations podcast. Wow. How things have changed since I last recorded for all of us, right? We're experiencing shelter in place for a lot of us. Studios are shut down. COVID-19 is running rampant and hopefully we're peaking here in New York City as I record this and we can start returning to what's going to be referred to as the new normal. So that last episode aired just two days before New York City issued its own shelter in place Also, I had a baby. So to say the least, there have been a lot of emotions happening for me in the last month, and I'm going to share those and how I'm processing it all as a new mom and during a pandemic. Crazy, crazy. So for my story, the day I went on maternity leave from in-person teaching engagements was just days before the studio I teach out of closed its doors to COVID-19 virus. The general feeling in the air was that it would be a two-week shutdown and back to normal. I was feeling a little bittersweet, excited, of course, for the arrival of my baby, but also sad to be temporarily not teaching my classes. It's been a long time since I've stepped away from teaching, um, and the last time I did that, I was in my yoga teacher training out in Los Angeles, and before that, not working, well, I was still working, but not teaching as much. I was in college. So it's really been a very, very long time. I would say probably over 15 years since I've not taught a class. So it was, it was weird. It was, an, it was going to be new. I was excited, but you know, all, all of the feelings. So as the week went on, things started to heighten with the virus and even stopping to talk to people, even from a distance felt kind of weird. I was a little bit afraid. I wasn't sure how far was too far. We didn't have a lot of answers. And my husband and I took a one last road trip out to New Jersey, not very far road trip, but (laughs) to walk in a park that was a little less crowded and to have a little bit more space to move outdoors. Being very, very pregnant, my movement was slow and we didn't get very far, but it felt good to be out in the world because in the city, it feels very 
confined. And so being able to have some space didn't kind of made me feel a little bit better and not so anxious about everything that was going on. And at this point too, it was right before my 39th week. At this point, I wasn't allowed to have any visitors at the hospital. Family support partners were still allowed at my hospital, but um, I was slowly coming to terms with not knowing when my family and friends will get to meet my baby. Will it be two weeks, two months? Who knows? And my 39th week came, and this is when the NYC hospitals banned support partners, um, not at every hospital, but a large hospital group that Fortunately, my hospital was excluded from. I was one of those lucky women who was allowed to have someone, in this case, my husband. But I do have to say, I did cry a lot over this and was very, very afraid that my hospital was next. There were talks of inducing me early to ensure that my husband would be with me. And we were being prepared for the worst from my doctor because no one knew what was going on. It was being handled on an hourly basis. So it just was a lot, uh, emotionally to, wasn't doing it alone. Obviously I had my husband, but you know, the idea that my mom wouldn't be there, my siblings wouldn't be there, my in-laws, my extended family, it, it just didn't feel great. It didn't feel fair, but you know, I don't love saying that because what is fair, right? And I was lucky in the end to have him with me. So I firsthand know those who had to endure labor and delivery, alone and my heart breaks each time I think about this. Um, and the ban was lifted a week later, but a week too long, in my opinion, for these women who were affected. Um, it was just incredibly sad and I, ugh, yes, can't even <laughs> really think too hard about it. Um, because it puts me in a tailspin. It just, I'm thankful it's over. I'm thankful the people I know are back with their families and, um, getting the support that they need. So then 39 weeks and two days later, my son Andreas was born. People say babies come out with a personality. And really for me, it was seeing, I was believing in this case, this little guy came into the world ready to go much like someone you might know. Hello. <laughs> my labor and delivery was smooth, which seems like a funny word to use because I think pressure would be a lot better of a word. But I came out pretty unscathed. I had no complications, and Andreas was born with bright eyes, already lifting his head and quickly checking off the boxes he needed to for us to be discharged. It was as if he was saying, okay, Mom, I've got you. Let's bust this joint and go home. A very little efficient man, I have to say. And just like that, 36 hours later, we were at home as a family. So we were only allowed to stay for 24 due to the COVID virus and um I was grateful to be going home as quick as possible and to get out of get out of there and make sure that we weren't being exposed to anything that we shouldn't be exposed to. Um, but it definitely was a shock to my system, um, not feeling prepared. But I'm sure my moms out there can testify that, well, you're never really prepared. <laughs> and I was very, very, very lucky. Everybody's birthing experience is different and I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, not that I went in and was sprinkling flowers everywhere in my path, but, um, I did come out. I will spare you the 
gory details, but I did come out um, being able to recover quite quickly. Um, I'm on week two, I'm walking around, no pains, minor pains, you know, nursing, that's to be expected, uh, lack of sleep to be expected, but nothing out of the ordinary. So it's very, 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 very grateful for that. And in these days, a word that kind of keeps coming into my life more and more from my coach, from people around me, is the word resilience. And resilience means the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. Whoa, <laughs> loaded, loaded. So now I've talked a lot about how I feel most supported uh, through preparation. And I've talked about this in past episodes. I talk about this online and in social and my emails. For me, when I am prepared, I do feel the most supported, knowing that I'm probably going to have to throw those plans out the window or that preparation out the window. I might not even use it, but having it makes me feel safe, secure, and supported. So starting bar variations always has this underlying or when starting it, it has always had this underlining goal of being able to have a business and be a stay-at-home mom. Because of this, I started before I had my son and worked towards getting the behind-the-scenes operation working for me so I don't have to be stuck behind my computer all day. And so I can be more efficient and productive with my time. Literally, as I'm recording this, my little guy is in his little baby lounger sleeping next to me. <laughs> so I knew this day would come and... I did everything I could leading up to it because I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I was one of those people. I love children. I've worked with children and babysat, nannied, and just something always inside of me that I wanted to do. So I knew that I had to take the steps in order for me to not feel super overwhelmed running a business and being a mom at the same time. So I prepared, and as much as I could, for Andreas to arrive as well. I got the gear, no matter what gear? It always makes me feel ready for anything. We took the classes. We took CPR. I made food knowing that no one would be able to come over to help. So I, and I literally cleaned my apartment while I was in labor. I didn't really know I was in labor. I was feeling slight cramps, but um, I just had this instant urge. People talk about it. I didn't think it was a real thing, but I was mopping the floors just hours before I went into the hospital. So although I didn't know it, you know, that urge was strong. And uh, so I laugh now in hindsight and everyone's like, oh, you'll get this urge to nest and clean. I'm like, really? I don't know. I've had a cleaning lady and for a long time. That was my always my one thing uh, that I wanted to spend money on when I first got a job. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I was uh, mopping and dusting and and well, it was the exact right time it turned out. <laughs> and I'm saying all of this because what we can expect is that things will change and the unexpected will happen. Being resilient doesn't just happen, right? We can't just bounce back without any tools in our pocket. It's something that takes practice and a whole lot of support, either from ourselves or from loved ones. So emotionally, I was fearful of postpartum depression and how I would handle not seeing my family and friends. So staying focused on my daily routine and small tasks has been keeping my mind at ease. 
I schedule calls with loved ones. And when I'm feeling like I need a break, I allow myself to cry myself to sleep or just do nothing. (laughs) You know, hormones are fun. So to be honest, I've always been someone that has to kind of sit in something and lean into it. You know, I have not been doing much except for nursing and I don't usually watch TV while I do this. Not really reading right now. And I will admit I am texting and maybe scrolling a little bit at the moment, but I used to do the same thing in my car actually. And I would drive in silence and it's funny how it's a med- you know, this meditation form of meditation comes up and it can take different forms. And right now this is kind of my current meditation practice, just kind of being in the moment, appreciating that everyone's happy and healthy and, uh, just kind of letting my mind be clear and not pressuring myself to have to get things done. And I do have to say the routine is really key for me to get through, not get through. I shouldn't say that to help me, you know, move forward in the day is feeling productive and feeling like, you know, we're carrying on and we do music in the mornings. We have a little tummy time and, Uh, I've also been blessed with a very scheduled child. I've not forced any schedules on him, but he uh, pretty much had the same day every day, which is fine by me. Um, And another thing I do when I'm feeling like it's all kind of too much is uh, put it on a shelf. So I do this (laughs) visualization of putting away these thoughts literally on a shelf and telling myself that they'll be there later. And right now, I have to not think about those things. So I visualize putting that thought on a shelf and say, I'll see you later. So how does one emerge from something and bounce back quickly, right? Well, first of all, quickly is all relative and the answer is going to be different for everybody. And like I was saying before, for me, the support from loved ones and preparation, making all kinds of different plans so I can switch directions without feeling like all is lost instead of always feeling negative, I try to dream a new dream, right? I try to think of, you know, okay, well, this is what it is. And how can we do different, choose different, see different? Um, and it's not easy. It sucks. It, it sucks. It sucks. And I also allow myself time to have the pity party and that's okay. And what makes you more resilient is being able to come out of that better and stronger, learning the lessons along the way. So this brings me to last month's community question, talking about dreams, right? And I asked, what dreams do you have for the bar? This could be kind of in general or where you want to see it go or more personal of where you'd like to take your bar work. Well, life happened and that question, you know, might have to sit on the table for right now. And as everyone's busy live streaming, figuring out how to see their clients virtually and still run a business without being in person. And this is very new for a lot of people. So the general consensus has been the dream is just to get back to the bar, back to the studio. So with the studios and gyms shut down, I know we're all dreaming of this in-person experience and connection, that community. Online is amazing. This is what I do every day. However, I'm very well aware that nothing will ever replace an in-person experience. And I know we're all missing that right now. So I want to pose the next question for you to consider and share. And I want you to share your answers when 
the time comes for us to return to life out of quarantine and when we no longer have to social distance, right? So something to think about in prep for when the day will come that we can go back to the bar. So because we've been sheltering in place for over a month now, I believe it isn't too soon to be able to answer this next community question. The question is, from this time, what would you like to bring with you when things return to a new normal? So what are the lessons, what are the skills, what are the tools, what are the offerings that you might like to bring with you into your new bar future, right, into that new normal? I look forward to hearing from you and what you have to say. So share your answers with me via email at info at barvariations.com. You can join the Bar Variations VIP group on Facebook to share your answer or leave me a voice message via Anchor. I'll share all the links in the show notes and I look forward to hearing from you. Up next, I'm interviewing Alexis Sweeney, creator and founder of Silhouette by Alexis. Stay tuned. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news. For those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. will add an extra bit of fun to your workout with apparel designed for and inspired by the bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, then you'll be happy to know that they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of bar to the world. Check out their go-to line of screen printed goodies included workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Hi, listeners. I'm here today with Alexis Sweeney. Alexis is a professional dancer turned certified fitness expert originally from Huntington Beach, California who now lives in New York City and is one of the country's most coveted group fitness instructors. She has inspired thousands of individuals with her artistry, energy, and vulnerability in the studio. While having taught bar, Pilates, dance, cardio, and various other sculpting formats at Equinox for years, she decided there needed to be a method which fused everything together, a one-stop shop, if you will. Thus started the birth of her signature format, Silhouette by Alexis which has the following both on social media at Silhouette by Alexis and in the Equinox community. Welcome, Alexis. Hi, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you for coming. So some of you followers and listeners know that I've had the pleasure of collaborating with Alexis before on an event that we created called Bar for a Wish, where we taught a class and raised money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And it's so exciting to be working together again today. Woohoo! I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. Well, it's so funny because like New York City is such a small town, big town, I like to call it, because it, obviously there's millions of people that live here, um, but it's, the community can be very small, and at the same time, you can be so close, but yet so far. So even though we're in the same city, we're like, always you know like do sewing yeah exactly always always passing each other always missing each other basically yeah and if you teach in this town I think what's great is there's so many options for like consumers but as a teacher I'm like 
who's going to teach that 3 p.m. class that I actually can go to? <laughs> <laughs> that's just for instructors. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. so, uh, and I think that's like a pain point for all instructors. So for the instructors listening, it's like, we don't always get to take our favorite teachers' classes because, well, they're teaching at the same time, right? <laughs> We're always teaching at the exact same time. Even my friends, I'm like, you guys come take this class. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. We're all teaching, obviously. <laughs> well, you're yeah. on my list of classes to come take while I'm on maternity leave because right now, uh, jumping, um, and by the time this airs, I'll have my child. So <laughs> as a pregnant person, uh, any dance cardio is not looking pretty for me these days. So I'm like, I want to go when I'm like in it and I can do it. And I'm not like sad that I have to like step. Walk it. Walk it. <laughs> again, step. A little step back. <laughs> Although I will say it is totally doable and you'll still get the heart rate up when you are walking in, but I totally feel you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And if I waddle in on, uh, you know, week 39 because I'm trying to get this baby out, it, I'll, I'll help you. We'll push him straight out. We'll do so many plies until his head just pops out. That was perfect. I actually like, uh, I'll have to, you know, recap this after, but I'm like, these doctors are going to think I'm like a crazy person, like just squatting around. I got this. I got this. <laughs> Leaping everywhere until he pops out. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so speaking of movement and you're a performer and all of that, I want to get started at the very beginning. And can you kind of let us in on, you know, Alexis in California getting her start in movement? What did that look like? So I was, my mom put me in ballet classes when I was three, as with most young girls. Um, she liked how it gave us discipline and, you know, just got us kind of to learn our bodies and all that kind of stuff. And then I just stuck with it and I was really obsessed. And then I started figure skating at the age of about six. Oh, and yeah, so I was doing like competitive figure skating. I was training with Michelle Kwan, if that means anything to you. Wait, wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. Say it again. <laughs> um, so oh, I was living in Lake Arrowhead, California, yeah. which is like, a, it was like a tiny privately owned ice rink that was just for basically competitors. And uh, my mom basically told me, because um, we were actually living in Florida before this, and she was like, okay. if you get your, um, it's called the double axle. It was a like summer intensive training program. And she was like, if you get your double axle before the end of the summer intensive training program, we'll move here and you can train for the Olympics. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. So I'm going to do this. Um, so I got it ish. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily land it every time I did it, but I did land it at, you know, sometimes. And so she was like, all right, let's just do it. So she moved me and my sister um, up the mountain to Lake Arrowhead. And I had the same coach as Michelle as well as it's funny a coach that I had that she later had named Raphael um he was actually at the Olympics with her later down the line but yeah so that was wow. um but and you have to have dance training because you have to have the gracefulness and the flexibility and the elegance on the ice even when you're doing singles so ballet a lot of ballet and um jazz was a part of my um, training and I was homeschooled for a while and just basically training, training, training. And then I got hurt <laughs> mm -hmm. as with anyone with overtrained. So I was about 13 and 
I had just had enough. I had broken one of my ankles twice. I was, I, I think I had lost my passion for it, my love for it. And I just woke up one day and basically broke my mom's heart and told her I didn't want to do it anymore. And she was like, ah, there goes thousands of dollars down the drain. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, she was, she was very supportive. Um, and I basically had to make the choice. We tried pairs with me. We tried ice dancing. I was so bored with ice dancing because compared to singles with all the um, jumps and all the spins and all that stuff, it's just so boring. So although it, I have to say they have improved the ice dancing yeah, um, choreography. Sense. Like I am a spectator of figure skating. I had brothers that played hockey and I always watched, you know, the girls figure skating. Um, yeah. And I, I was a dancer, but get me on a pair of skates. Holy moly. I am, <laughs> it's a little different on the ice. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've, I can't stop. Number one, number two, <laughs> hell no. I just look really, if you want to laugh, that's, put me on the ice. But, but I mean, that kind of training at such a young age, I did competitive gymnastics and I was dancing as a young kid. And that kind of, it has to be inside of you, right. To want to do it. Um, yeah, definitely. Like say maybe what are like some top skills that you walked away with that you kind of like use today. Right. So like in that training, like what were kind of like big lessons for you that you learned? So one of my coaches, her name was Irina Radnina, and she had won the Olympics for Russia in I think like the eighties. And she, I mean, imagine maybe what you would, you know, fantasize about an old school Russian, um, you know, I, it was a lot of pressure and I love her for it, but she talked about, you know, instilling discipline and, she, she, she was loving off the ice, but when it was our time and when it was our session, it was go, 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 go. And, you know, um, she, she pushed me, she definitely pushed me and I definitely wound up in tears at some point, but I, I, I can look back now and I can, you know, appreciate what she was trying to do. Um, cause she did have her loving tender moments and we cried a lot of happy tears together as well as kind of defeated tears. So I think the main, you know, along with the dance training, because this definitely happens with all the ballet too, is just Mm -hmm. it really instilled discipline in me and it really instilled this like go-getter, call it entrepreneur, whatever kind of attitude in me at a very young age. And I knew that I wanted to, you know, very, I was very competitive (laughs) right from the get-go and kind of managing that in a healthy way, I think too, because I always had to be the best and I always had to be on top and I always had the best, had to have the best coach. And I always had to, you know, come in first at the competitions, even though I did it most of the time, but in my head, and I always had to receive like all this praise and stuff, but it, I had to come over. I had to get all, over all that basically. And I had to just learn, you know, not everything's going to go my way all the time. And, but if I work hard, And, you know, then I will, you know, skate a perfect program and I will come out on top. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when I really started to get hurt, I had to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go from there. The number one thing that I had lived and breathed for so many years, I just, it, it, it pained me to do it literally. I did not want to go to the rink. I did not want to compete anymore. I just got to the point where I was so 
beaten down by it and coming out from under that, I think was a whole, and I was 13 when that really happened, when that whole transition happened. Mm -hmm. And I decided we moved to, that's when we moved to Huntington beach. And I went to a performing arts school because I still love to dance, you know, and I had these long, long legs and pretty good feet. And so people were always like, yeah, you just need to be there. No one's seen you. You have the greatest, longest legs. They are awkwardly long (laughs) and lanky to say the least. They're like perfect ballerina balanchine legs that start at the shoulders. I love it. So they used to call me, or in my family, they used to like jokingly call me Bambi because I would just always be like, I had all these limbs and I had no idea what to do with them I for was, a long time so funny. I, those things we say to our family members right I mean I call myself Spongebob yeah. because I have very long arms and legs but I'm only 5'1 so if I was actually 5'10 <laughs> I'm like I would be like the perfect body for ballet I'd be like all over it and I'm like I'm 5'1 so I'm nine inches too short to actually look like I have long anything <laughs> oh that's a good that's a good height I like 5'1 I'm the shortest torso, so anywhere I go and I sit, people are like, what are you, like, four feet tall? And I'm like, no, I'm five, six. I just have no no upper body. Yeah, so well, awkward. and I think that's, like, something to consider, like, I mean, we all are shaped different and all of that stuff, but, like, when it comes to fitness in general, like, the standards of what you, quote, unquote, should be able to achieve one day, right? Like, be able to touch the, the floor and now there's like studies mm-hmm. coming out saying like, well, if your torso is a certain length and depending on the ratio of your arms and your legs, it could potentially be pulling your pelvis in the wrong way if you were to be able to get to that point. And I was like, oh, yeah. wow, that's so interesting. Like it, because we're all like individually structured and we have unique bone sizes and degree angles of joints and all of this stuff and different muscle shapes the standard is so general. So once you start like diving into like the anatomy and like what quote unquote is general or you get into those, like generally you should be able to do this, but (laughs) it's so like, it gets so gray so quickly because, you know, somebody with longer arms can do certain like push throughs and lift them, you know, body strength stuff. And it's so fascinating to me. Um, I danced with this um, person in Philadelphia for a long time and he was pretty much the same height as me. And the movement he would do was for short people. And so we're like on the ground and getting out and like doing all this stuff. Anybody that was over five, five working with this man, it was hell because yeah. they're like, I can't do it. And he's like, why? Well, because your arms are freaking not long enough or the leg, the leg doesn't go to that place because the torso is too long or whatever. So it was so interesting to kind of like have some self-acceptance of like, cool, I can do these weird things or these cool things, but not everybody can, or I can't do these things like a roll up off the floor, having a shorter torso and our quote unquote articulating your spine in any, you know, roll ups or sit ups forget it. It's like, clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> so right. It's, um, I mean, the first thing I always tell like my boys and girls in the studio is just like, don't compare yourself to me. I always get reactions. Cause I'm just, I was born flexible. I mean, I was yeah. might as well have been, you know, stretching the second I walked out of the womb and I still am fortunate enough to where I, I have that flexibility. So the second I bend over people are like, Oh my God. And it's, 
I always, I have to, you know, I have to remind myself and them, you know, they, I can't force them to do that. That's not everyone is born that way. I'm just very fortunate to be born that way. But then you go, you put me in, you know, a hip hop class <laughs> and I will struggle beyond all belief because I look like a daddy long legs trying to do get grungy and just doesn't work. Yeah. Or, you know, you, I go take, I'm not a heavy weight person. I don't enjoy, nor do I, um, you know, I force myself to often go take like a strength training kind of class, like a, you know, where I'm lifting 20 pounds, 30 pounds. And it's just, I don't enjoy it in my body and I'm bad at it. And it's just that what I, you know, specifically teach in like the bar Pilates dance cardio kind of category is a niche. And it's, you know, it's not made for everyone. Some people aren't going to enjoy moving that way. Some people would rather squat and deadlift until they're blue in the face. And I totally have so much respect for them, you know, but for those that do like more of the bar Pilates dancing kind of format, then that's just what I try to cater to. But I completely agree with what you're saying. And it is important as an instructor and as a student to just remember not every move, every exercise is made for everyone and anyone. And we I have to learn as an instructor, you know, early on, so many people have some kind of injury going on too. And just to keep that in mind and in my videos, I'm always saying, you know, don't do this if you have any head, neck, shoulder injuries, mm -hmm. um, if you're expecting, you know, all those kind of things too. So yeah, and it's not going to look the same. So like my roll up or my whatever is not going to look like the same as yours. And it's always something like, you know, to keep in mind of like, not every cue is for everybody either, you know, so mm -hmm. it, it just opens up the floor of like, what does it look like for you? You know, what feels good? Do you like this? Do you not? And what's going to keep you moving, right? That's the most important part of it. Yeah. Cause that's the other thing too, is you don't want to dread your workout, <laughs> dread how you're, however you're moving your body that day. Like you want to wake up and be excited. And that's the only thing that's really going to keep you going is if you find something that really speaks to you, your body, your form, whatever kind of goals you want, anything like that. And that's just going to make you like excited to get out of bed in the morning. And it took me a long time to figure that out, especially because as, you know, dancers, and especially when I was performing and stuff, like you have to be strong and they're like, go to the gym, go to the gym. And yeah, as they're, you know, weighing you when I was on the cruise ship, but, um, <laughs> I didn't know how to work out. I didn't know how to, you know, and still keep a smaller physique and still be able to fit into my costumes. And all I knew how to do was run on a treadmill for, you know, until I would almost basically pass out and then starve myself until the next yeah. morning. So thank yeah. goodness for more education in fitness and wellness, right? I mean, thank goodness. Yes. I hope those days are ending the weigh-ins and the this without an actual plan with a nutritionist, with support, with, you know, those kind of things. I mean, and kind of going back to that burnout, I mean, when if you're like a child athlete or a child performer, burnout is real, man. And it sucks losing that joy really. Sucks. Yeah. And even as teachers, even as people that, you know, you go to burnout happens, right? So like learning that at such a young age where you're like, I don't, you're dreading the thing that you loved and going through that emotional roller coaster of like, who am I now? <laughs> or if you've had an yeah. Age, do what you want to do or whatever or any kind of like limitations or however the burnout comes up it's just it's hard to get over so going into performing arts high school 
when did you feel that spark or did it kind of happen right away for you when it came to like dancing again or being a performer, you know, because ice skating, you know, figure skating should not be. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I should say that was like a constant for me personally, and my mom would sit here and be like, yes, um, is I just always loved, call it this being the center of attention. I loved being on stage and I loved performing and I loved, you know, I just had like that kind of like stage. I was so comfortable on stage at a like really, really early age. And I, so when I, when I stopped skating, yes, there was, oh my gosh, months where I was just like, who am I without skating? Not only that, I went from being homeschooled for two years to going to a, the performing arts high school was seven through 12. So basically being thrown into, um, junior high basically high school among all these kids and just like I mean we were all weirdos together thank god because it was a performing arts high school but nevertheless I mean just socially awkward and so but I will say the one thing that I with dance and I went I decided to audition and go to the school for um, musical theater and which included a lot of dance and then I just loved to sing around the house so my mom was like let's get you you know, a while ago, while I was still skating, she, I asked her for like singing lessons. So she let me do that too. So yes. it was what that helped. And I think there is something to be said that because I mean, all of the between doing musical theater and skating and deciding to be just like a ballerina for a hot second, like it, ballet has been the one thing, um, you know, injuries, all that kind of stuff that has really gotten me through it all. And I, I have to say like now being older, <laughs> am I, am I old age? No, just being older and seeing like with everything I've done now, it's, it's no like shock, I guess, that that's still my passion and my love. Like it's always been in my back pocket and I've always in the city, whenever I'm feeling uninspired and just like exhausted from it all, exhausted from the weather, the first thing I go and do is take a ballet class and get my butt kicked. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love it. And I love walking out of the studio and I love that feeling. And I love, you know, even in the class, like being center floor and, you know, putting on a little performance. And so I think that that was like the constant ballet and performing, even with skating were like the constant thread that I could carry with me into like musical theater world. And yeah, that's what eventually led me to do that for a while. Yeah. It's so grounding to have a constant right like in figuring out what that constant is that you can keep coming back to to fuel you up and fire you up and feel that joy because often with competitiveness and performing and all of that it's like as we get older it's like it becomes our job right and it's like well how do you keep that joy job joyful <laughs> you know when it's yeah. doing it all the time and so having that constant that grounded peace or that whatever it is for whoever is so important to have and then kind of going back like big props to mom what <laughs> 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 was she a performer herself or was she just kind of seeing what you were gravitating towards and was just like full throttle number one she fan? 
she absolutely positively has not one artistic bone in her body so it's so <laughs> funny that me and all my sisters like we're all just um like artistic in some way and I was like the musical theater dancer my other sisters are like music my other sisters like a ballerina so it's so funny and we get asked all that we get asked that all the time and my mom was always just like a businesswoman like I don't know, like nothing at all, no dance background, anything. But if we said we, you know, took an interest in something, she'd be the first person to be like, all right, let's try it. So she was amazing in that way. <laughs> really lucky in that regard. It's so great. My parents very, I shouldn't say they're not, well, my mother is the crafty, creative one that has honed okay. in her teaching. Like she taught preschool for years, but not an artist in her own right, but just she was like if Pinterest was around when I was a kid she's like or Etsy she's like I'd be all over that but <laughs> they were always like the the most support like my dad would wear like my recital t-shirts around town like he has oh all my of gosh. my business shirts like <laughs> that's amazing that's everything that's that's really everything it's so important to have those people like on your team and like recognizing like who's going to wear that t-shirt? Who's going to be, and you know, we have social media now, who's reposting for you? Who is like the cheerleader in your life without judgment, right? So I always like to kind of coach um, my coaching clients through like, who are those like dream weavers and who are those dream crushers that are, you know, there to give you feedback from a peer place where it's not just like, Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, somebody that's doing the same thing as you, but could, um, have more of a critic eye that's positive and beneficial instead of just critiquing to critique. And it's great. I love it's that. Family and, you know, it can be friends or whoever, but it's so, so important. It's something like, you know, talking with um my husband about sometimes like the importance of that and I think I don't know generalizing maybe females more than males like vocally like want to have those cheerleaders around and search out those cheerleaders where maybe I don't know most men I come across it's like hey good job bro whatever like it's fine I don't know. and it's like oh like and so yeah bro like, yeah bro yeah yeah the first time like my parents met my well, not the first time. They met my husband a couple times before, and then they came to a performance of his. He's a comedian, and you know, he was like, "They don't have to come." I'm like, "You don't understand." <laughs> yes, they do. They do have to come. They do want to come, and they will sit in the front row. So just don't call them out, which of course. You and you know, so it's important to know like who you can call upon because you know we go through, especially like teenage years or adult years we still need to like have those people to show up right and so without like, a doubt having your mom there like uh, so awesome to be able to dream big at a young age and really let that shine and fly and and let you figure out like okay well it's not figure skating maybe it's music, ballet maybe it's musical theater like where is that take you know Ugh, I, I find that even more true, like being in New York City now, and I, I don't have any family here, um, any like immediate family, you know, being from the West Coast. And I like moved here for college and essentially never looked back. And I, 
it was, oh my gosh, those first couple years, I, I got really lucky and I found like the bestest of friends that I'm still the best of friends with that I can always lean on. Like they are, they really, really, truly are my family. And, but even still like these past, especially, oh my gosh, these past couple months that, um, I've been going through and I've literally just been putting myself on a line and praying like someone grabs onto it and someone, you know, likes it. And that's, that's terrifying. Like, you know, even with every photo we post and every, like every class I teach anyone and everyone that shows up, like we need, I need that like validity as, you know, maybe it's like pathetic for me to say that, but I need to know that I'm doing something right and I'm on the right path. And, you know, this makes sense what I'm doing. And, I am not, you know, the most confident person in the world. I can't be like, yeah, like I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do this no matter what anybody tells me. And, you know, any feedback I've, I've gotten a lot better now because, you know, everyone likes to speak their opinion (laughs) and I've gotten a lot better at, you know, thank you. And I'll, you know, acknowledge what you're saying (laughs) noted, but, um, I'm not going to change my entire whatever outlook and what I'm doing because of your comment. And I've gotten a lot thicker skin. But yeah, no, back to what you're saying, like, I have found, you know, a solid core group of loyal followers, if you want to call them. And I'm so grateful, um, you know, for each one of them and how knowing that even hearing the feedback, like with the website right now, I get messages and just like these women coming back from they haven't worked out and they only feel you know, comfortable working out in their living room right now. And just my little old dinky website has gotten them off the couch and working out again. And they ordered their weights and like hearing all that kind of stuff too. I'm like, Oh my God, like it's so moving and so cool to hear that. Like there are people behind me and then what I'm doing is actually making even like the slightest bit of a difference. So Yeah, I I need that support for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's not pathetic to say that you need validation. I mean, we are human beings that we're constantly looking for approval because ultimately we all just want to be loved. Right. And like, who doesn't want to be loved? Right. So 1000%. That's why I just got a puppy, you know, (laughs) constant validation. (laughs) Unconditional love 24 seven. Guys, just go get a puppy. (laughs) and we just don't realize and I think what's you know it is healthy to have people like it's it's nice it's nice when people reach out unprompted and tell you something good about you because you know we're our own worst critics we are always in our own head we're always listening to our own story you know so it's not like we can get in someone else's head all the time. So when somebody says something positive in any way, you know, whether you're in a big city, you're on an online platform or you're teaching one class a week after your full-time job, you're making a difference. Like being able to get people to move. And I think as dancers, like we inherently know that like moving feels good. You can express how you feel. You can, work out those emotions <laughs> you know you sweat it <laughs> oh my gosh just yeah leave it all on the dance floor so as my old teachers used to say yeah and like yeah. movement you know like you were saying before like the happy tears the sad tears like that's movement I'm, I'm so happy that it's not designated for like a yoga class anymore of like getting in touch with your own self or your mind that it's kind of bleeding into every modality of like 
setting intentions or what does this workout mean to you? Why are we here? We're coming together, you know, like really creating a more supportive environment individually and as a community because movement heals like physically and mentally. And it's just whoever were up in front of that class that day, like you're making a difference in someone's life on a, the most minute and most grand scale. Without a doubt. And I, I really truly feel like us New Yorkers specifically, like we just hold our breath. Like we don't, we literally don't take like full breaths or we have to tell ourselves to constantly be taking full breaths. And I always start every class, like even if it is a bar class, even if it is silhouette, it's, you know, tune into your mind, tune into your body and tune into your breath. Those are the first three. And I do that. I do that at the beginning of every class and at the end of every class. And that's more for myself than anyone else to be completely honest, because I myself, especially I get so excited and the adrenaline's running and, you know, I start to talk a million times an hour and that's not good for anyone. So it's, I have to slow down and it's, I, I love when I take a class too. It just changes the whole atmosphere, the whole, it, it makes everyone comfortable in the studio or wherever you're working out. You know, it's, I think that's so important. Well, it's having a ritual too. Like I love the idea of setting a ritual for your class. Like when I teach Pilates, I always 99% of the time we'll start with classic footwork on the reformer. It's just a way to be like, here we are in the room, we're breathing, we're checking in with our body. And when I'm teaching a bar class, both hands on the bar, full support. Most of the time, you know what I mean? Like doing certain things as a ritual, because at the end of the day, plie is a plie, plank's a plank, how you put it together is unique and different and choreography and all of that fun stuff. But having those touch points to ground yourself as a teacher, to ground the class, because you're right. I mean, we are in a chaotic city and, you know, it, you don't have to drive too far out and you're kind of in the middle of nowhere, but even then you're (laughs) driving the kids to school, life can be crazy. So setting aside that time coming in and being like, okay, breathe. Can I then take this with me? outside of the studio? Can I continue breathing this whole day? Can I continue breathing till next week? You know, just expanding that space and that groundedness is, I think, a great way to connect both inside and out in the class. It's awesome. 100%. And, you know, you, you said a plie is a plie, plank and a plank, and you're 100% right about that. And I keep saying what I'm doing, there's absolutely nothing 100% original about it. It's just a different, it's just a one space to, you know, attach these three formats and all that stuff. But I do, like when I first started teaching, I used to always think like, oh, they need to see something cool and they need to see something so unique and different and then they'll love me more. And that was literally my thought process every class. And it took me a while to realize like, and this is important because I I take like, you know, other instructors classes too. And I, I can see that that's where they're at. That's where their mind is. And they're like, I have to make this so creative and I have to keep them moving and there's no stopping. And I think it's so important to remember it's, it's more, it's more, I think teaching is more about your energy than anything else. More about how you present the moves, the same plies, the same planks, how you connect more about your energy and your connection than what you're actually physically putting on them you know I we're all we all do the same stuff we all do the same plank variations and 
all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, if you don't like that instructor, if you don't like their energy, if you don't like the way they're speaking, if you don't like the vocal, their vocal range, you know, who knows? Like we all are weird. We all have, (laughs) you know, things that we like and don't like for whatever reasons. And you know, that's, it's important and it is ritualistic and it is, I, I, that's why you have to find your breath at the start of class. And then you know that that's what you're coming home to. And then you can just clear your head and, you know, be in that space and you can be comfortable in that space. Exactly. And whenever I teach like trainings and that, I always say like the first step is instructing. You're telling what to do and how to do it. The next step is to teach them. Why are they doing it? Where are they, you know, where could they be feeling this? Where could they do more or more or less? Or what does, you know, giving those choices. And then the next step after that is you're simply a facilitator. You are a guider. You are there to hold space and use your own personal energy to lead the room and guide them through that. And that last piece is, we kind of forget about it sometimes. We're so into that instruct, instruct, drill, drill, eight more, two more, da, 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 da. Dabble into the teaching, some cues, some teachable moments happen. But how, like, as teachers, I always like to challenge people, like, how can you, like, step back and how can you use your energy to move everybody forward or give them permission or, you know, like, change the vibe or, like, you know, in a chaotic city, they're coming in, it's snowing, it's whatever, it's raining, it's horrible out the train, whatever. The water main just broke the other day and there was no train running on one line. So how do you, how do you manage that energy? How do you offer a way to shift it or uplift it or, you know, and, and it's up to them. It's up to, and then putting that on each person to be like, this is your time you know, what do you want yeah. to do with it? And um, yeah, I think it, it really is about the energy more so and the space holding than it is about what they're doing in the moment. Because, and you know, to just to like, just to, sorry to yeah, interrupt, no. but just to like speak to that, like I, when I teach, and this is another thing, this just comes with practice. Like this, you have to almost be doing two things at once. You're teaching, you're going through the motions, you're telling them what to do. And then at the same time, you have to have a kind of, you know, out of body experience and you have to be just scanning the room, especially sometimes I'm teaching 40. I had 45 girls in the room the other day and it's, that's a lot of individuals to be managing at once. And, you know, the first thing I personally have to do is let go of my, um, I I always have to have everything perfect. (laughs) That's just not going to happen. They're not all going to move at once someone's going to do something, you know, else. And so I had to let go of that. And then I had to, as I'm, as I'm going through the class, you know, before I even started, before I even introduced myself to the class, I just looked around and scanned the room and I could, you know, see where everyone's energy was at. And then I, while I introduced myself and I made sure to, you know, slow things down, especially with my voice. Cause if I talk excited and I talk like, da, 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 then they were going to feel like, oh, 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 okay. You know, they, I wanted to relax them a little bit. I wanted to bring the focus into the room, you know, put the phones away, all that kind of stuff. And then once we started moving, I, I, cause I had never taught this specific group before too. So they most of these girls were new to me. So I had to figure out kind of where, if they were new to the movement, new to this kind of workout. And it just so happens that the majority of these girls were. So I had to kind of take a step back 
while, you know, going through my warm up and just kind of slow things, break things down more. Um, kind of, I come up with about 80% of my classes on the spot. I know my format, I have like specific things in mind that I plan on doing, but to be completely honest, and that's just a skill that I've developed over time. And I, I, because of situations like this, I have to be adaptable. I have to be able to, you know, tune into the room and wherever the, the level, the general level is for the room while giving them modifications and, you know, throwing out more advanced stuff for the more advanced girls and that kind of stuff. But throughout this entire class, I just, you know, focus, I realized, you know, the head, the eyes were kind of roaming a little bit. Some of the girls kept like talking to their neighbor. That's a lot of energy to be, you know, dealing with that one. So it, I realized the slower I kind of kept things and controlled and kind of, I didn't, I didn't have space. That was another challenging thing for me physically. So I couldn't walk around the room. So I literally had to stay front row center. I wasn't even on a level up. I was the same level as them. So they, the majority of these girls just could not see me. Mm. That's, I had to literally cue through my voice and do little mark, little moves that I can and stuff like that. But it worked because I just, I took my time and I was just constantly, you know, scanning the room throughout the thing, throughout the entire class. It was a quick 45 minute class. And, you know, I, I had to give the more advanced options for the lower body work and the, for the glute work. We all just did the same thing. And I just said, you know, simple is sometimes harder. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, broke things down for them. So yeah, it's, you have to be adaptable. You have to be able to manage those kind of situations. And the, it was an evening class. So everyone was just coming from where I could tell it was just like the, oh, they just all wanted to like breathe together and like sigh together. And release the day more or less and it was a Monday so you know how we all feel on Mondays so (laughs) um yeah just kind of acknowledging those those things feeling out a room is so important constantly scanning the room and take your time you know it's your room at the end of the day you're telling them what to do and they're going to do whatever you tell them to do and they're going to respond to your energy so just own that Mm. and then they they will follow suit is what I found in my experience yeah. So, so true. Um, so you went, you came to, to New York city for college and you went on a cruise ship. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> oh, the stories. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I came here, I went to NYU and I graduated from Tisch and then I pretty soon after graduated, I booked a contract on Oceana cruises, which is owned by Norwegian cruise line. It's just, they're like smaller luxury liner ships. And so it was me and about, I think, 11 other people. That was our full cast, which is small. And it was a eight-month contract. And what you do is you go to Florida for two months, and you're training and you're in rehearsals. You learn, like, four and a half shows, basically. Um, And then you just get thrown on the ship, and we got flown to Spain. We were in the Mediterranean for three months and then the Caribbean for the rest of the contract. So it was, it was very fun. It was definitely, you know, figuring out because we did get weighed almost every week. So that, this is kind of when I think like the more of the fitness, um, when I was more intrigued and inspired by, well, how the hell am I going to be living on a ship and not be able to do much and have to fit into my tiny, tiny, you know, my, tiny little costumes where my belly was showing for 90% of them and you know all that kind of stuff so I I like I said I didn't really know what I was doing at first I was just running on a treadmill we would 
have rehearsals, but they, most of us would mark during the rehearsals before we do like a run through of the show, but before we performed it that night, um, do a little like warm ups and stuff, but it just, I ended up just basically starving myself for a lot of the contracts and we all would like joke about, you know, not eating before weigh-ins and just going to bed hungry all the time. And I, I knew that this couldn't be what, you know, big time stars do. I was like, what, what am I missing here? And so I started to do more research, look more up online. And I, I went, it, I definitely went through phases. I, I tried a whole like pre-workout thing and I passed out on a treadmill at one point because I overdid the pre-workout thing and I was shaking and my heart was racing and it was just all bad news. So I have never touched a pre-workout since, (laughs) but, um, and then I just, I think it was really after that, I started to really do more research and I started to, you know, I would figure out, cause we did have a gym accessible to us. So I would try to figure out more like strength training stuff to do, but I didn't like it per se. And I didn't necessarily, I didn't know how to do it right to get the aesthetic that I wanted. So I, I would like bulk up and I would, and I didn't like that either. So then I just would just always go back to starving myself. Mm. Um, and then it was more when I, I really got off the ship and I had a friend, a girlfriend that I grew up dancing with that actually works for Equinox too. And she was like, you know, you should come do this audition. And I'm like, what's bar? (laughs) And my mind was blown and I went and I did the training and eventually the audition and I was like, why haven't I been doing this my entire life? Mm. Um, I loved how it made me feel. I loved how it complemented my technique, my dance training, how it was still artistic and like individualized. And I loved like coming up with a playlist. And, you know, this is coming from when I really, really made the transition. I always say like, instead of just surviving you know, when I would get up at five o'clock in the morning to go sign up for that dance call and just audition after audition, after rejection, after rejection, after rejection, I, which is a popular cycle for anyone and everyone auditioning in New York will tell you. Um, I, it, that took a toll on me as well. And then I got into the whole bar world, Pilates world. And I, instead of surviving, I began to thrive and I began to develop a following and find my voice and find my whatever made my made my classes you know individual to me and I'm like oh my god people like this and I'm liking what it's doing to my body and this has totally changed my mindset and how I work out and you know there's I had no idea that there was such a craving for this for the girls like me that want that balletic aesthetic and um don't like to go to the gym and run on a treadmill for 40, 45 minutes and would rather just sit and starve themselves for 24 hours. So. Yeah. And I mean, at the time when you're talking, I mean, really like what we're in fitness realm wise nowadays, it's like, there are so many options and that's so amazing. There's so many different types of group classes. Like eighties is like full swing coming back with these group fitness class, you know, no equipment, just like maybe small props or whatever. And I think that's great because it's definitely the most accessible, right? Like you and your mat, that's it. Or maybe no mat or whatever. And you and your sneakers or whatever it is. And it's so important because there's so many dancers that do come into bar 
or find it later that have a similar story. I mean, I was definitely one of them as well. Like in college, like I never had quote unquote weight issues, but like I will share a quote of something that was directly said to a room of people was don't eat the apple, lick it. <laughs> like, oh my God, <laughs> go home for Thanksgiving and look at the food and don't eat it. Like mind blowing, mind blowing when there's so much information out there about nutrition. There's so many programs that you can go through for your individual needs, you know, cause not one, although my other favorite quote in college was diet is die with a T. That's another one I'll share. So it's like, yeah, no, it's like <laughs> very aggressive, oh but it, it is true. <laughs> and so, yeah. and not knowing and not like being educated of like, well, what are my options? It's like either eat or don't eat or okay, here's this gym with this stuff in it. I don't really know what to do with it. Is it working? I don't like the way it's working. And thank goodness we're in a place of like research is at our fingertips, right? We have our phones and you have that intuition to like do research of like, I can't sustain this anymore. And it isn't about starving yourself, right? Like we know that. And it isn't about just one way, but finding your own way and Ugh, it's like if I could like erase all of that, I'm sure it still happens. And you know, yeah, especially young girls, like they just don't have that kind of education all the time of like, well, what do I do if I want to get stronger or maybe change my body in a certain way or whatever? And ugh, it makes me so it makes me ugh like that. You know, that's exactly like, the sound. Ugh, <laughs> yeah, it's just like oh, weigh-ins. Oh my god, because my weight baby <laughs> was <laughs> same. It was the same when I was in college and I was half the size. What does that tell you? It's a different body. It's a different time. It's not about the number. Right. No, it's about how like, and so when you think about just the number and your calorie counting and you're just like eliminating things and depriving yourself of certain things in order to achieve, it's just like, no, 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 no. So like, Thank goodness your friend was like, hey girl, let's go to Equinox. <laughs> and yeah, seriously. In a healthy environment while you were auditioning and while you were like performing because like, you know, post cruise ship because so many people don't have that. And I definitely found that with Pilates first and soon after discovering bar where, hey, I can train and condition my body in a healthy way where I am stronger than I've ever been. I am looking the best I've ever looked and great. Like with doing more, with eating more, with, you know, moving more or whatever it is. And, um, you know, we've mentioned Equinox where they're not paying us to say anything about them, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, sorry. I've worked for them too. And a lot of times there can be some negative connotations about big corporate companies, right? So you hear like, Oh, corporate, right? We hear that a lot of like, Oh, big gym. But what I know to be true is that there are a lot of benefits with being with a large company that offers support. And could you kind of describe in your own words, like some of the benefits with being with a big company like Equinox? Yeah, um, I, I will say I am very, very, very fortunate to be in New York City because my experience with them is going to be very different for like someone who's, you know, works for them in Texas or wherever. But um, I, I definitely, there's, as with anything, there's pros and cons, you know, working 
with the company here in the city gave me so much, so many job opportunities, gave me so many options to teach classes. There are there. I mean, these days there's a club basically on every corner, at least every other corner. They're just, we're so big right now in the city. So there's so many opportunities to teach classes. And so I immediately picked up so many classes. They offer you know, so many trainings. I did the bar training and then I did their signature bar trainings. And then I got involved in the Pilates training. And then, so I, it was definitely nice to have all those trainings very easily accessible to me, granted in the city. And I, I'm sure this is valid for any city. You can go and you can get your Pilates master, you know, anywhere and you can go and you can get your bar from Barbarations and, you know, um, (laughs) So there, there are definitely other, but I did appreciate, and, you know, already being an Equinox employee, they give you discounts and stuff like that. And then, you know, as with um, any other kind of quote unquote real corporate job, there's things like a 401k that they offer and there's things like paid time off Mm -hmm. and um, like those kind of perks definitely were new to me, especially coming from an acting career um, that kind of, uh, security and stuff and that so those things are nice and then mo- mostly for me and my favorite pro about working for the company is just the colleagues and the friends and you know everyone is trying to find their voice and so there's a there's a lot of humility in the job I mean people oh gosh people if they want to leave a class 20 minutes early they'll walk out and they'll make, they'll make their presence known and you know dealing with things like that you know they would rather take selfies the entire time than actually take the class I, that's just gonna happen <laughs> anywhere I the, the list is in this that's gonna happen anywhere you go and that's always gonna bring a, a little humility um into the situation but that's one thing being, that will teach you it's some, yeah some, some humility and also like oh you left okay I mean the the skin toughening that has happened over the years and being able to uh not have that affect your you know, your own psyche as you're teaching is a learned skill. And it's also one that I am grateful for now in my older, wiser years being here, because I mean, I share this story. I don't know if I've shared on the podcast, but I had somebody hand me a manual (laughs) and I get out of here. No, I like cross my arms. I'm like, great, let's go through the manual. And I don't think they thought I would respond so calmly. and we went through every exercise of why we do it, why we don't do it. And this is, I mean, I broke, I was like, oh, no. And you're like, okay, no, that's good. I'm like, no, no, this is your session today. We're going to talk more. I could not. Get out of here. I would props to you because I would lose my mind. I do not have the patience for that. If it was my first day on the job, I would have crumbled and cried. But I, it was, I was here long enough that I was like, all right, man, I'm taking this as a challenge. Let's do this. And it is one of my favorite stories. And it was a good client for a long time. I mean, when I moved away, I ended up teaching this person's friend and it was great. great. And we, you know, a weird turn of events, but it was also like, all right, like things are going to be like thrown at you. And especially in a big gym where there's a ton of people where they're like trying to get into your class, then a spin class, then get this in, then they got their appointment, you know, at massage and whatever. You're dealing with a lot more personalities in one place that has a broader culture 
around it, right? Like it's attracting a broader audience than maybe a boutique studio. And um, not only that, but technology, like something always goes wrong. Your mic's going to go in and out. Your music's not going to play. Your, the volume's going to be off. Like, oh yeah, a million things. I've put my phone in a cup before me like this is our speaker today here we go (laughs) (laughs) yeah like you just have to get creative and you have to have you know a sense of humor about it all because nothing's ever going to go perfect someone's not going to like the way you did some move or some song's not going to play or you just have to at the end of the day say well I did what I could (laughs) you know things happen and I think another thing that I'm really impressed by with Equinox is their um new I guess facility called Project by Equinox. Can you explain to the listeners what that is and why? Yes. So um, I got involved with Project about three months ago, back in November 2019. And essentially, Equinox treats it as a kind of incubator. So it's a lot of their formats that they launch worldwide start there, and they kind of want to test it out and see how it does there. But aside from that, it's also just a place Um, So you have to basically, not basically, you have to audition to teach there and you have to present your format and you have to basically show them why it's unique and individual and why it is going to do so well. I mean, it's, it's expensive to take a class there. So they want the best of the best and they, it's very, the classes are very instructor specific people at the project is just known like people come to see their favorite instructor or they're visiting from out of town and they just want to take the best of the best like that's that's kind of the aura around project so I was really really excited to um, start teaching the silhouette there and this was me you know because with Equinox which is a this is a good and a kind of bad thing like you have the same um, clients coming to take your class all the time and so they get used to their your style and you're used to them and they know your warm-up that you keep for a couple of weeks at a time or whatever the case may be. So this was me, you know, like I said a little while ago, literally putting myself on the line, just saying, hey, okay, well, outside of this community that I'm already really comfortable in and have a following in, what's going to happen? So I launched Silhouette there and it's, you know, it's a hustle at first, just constantly inviting people personally and posting on uh, Instagram all the time and reaching out to influencers, bloggers, anyone and everyone that can come and give you some kind of exposure. And so you kind of, you have to, it's up to you. You have to get the ball rolling. They, they, they post about the instructors as well, but it's really more or less up to you to get your own following and get yeah, people talking about you. It's a unique situation yeah. where for the first time a big gym is opening up quote, like kind of a boutique studio. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a totally different beast. Like your gym members have the schedule. They're going to come to class, right? Like they're already like conditioned to sign up, come to the different classes, try them out and be there. And then they're loyal and they come over and over and over again. But opening up like a boutique studio model is, is reliant on the person that's teaching. And it is really, I mean, we all can relate to this as, you know, uh, teachers that are listening, like up to you to like get people in there and keep them there and you know share why you're doing it and why it's your your voice is unique and all of this stuff and I just think it's so fascinating I think so cool that there is a platform out there that can launch individual instructors in their own 
programming. I mean, it's so for sure, especially like, you know, not everybody wants to teach. Not every teacher wants to own their own studio. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I don't want to own a brick and mortar. That's not in my plan. And it just offers another way. And I know like New York city specifically right now, it's really popular or it's becoming more popular of workspaces offering, you know, programmed classes or branded classes. And, um, I just think it's cool. It's like, wow, what a different way to like get people out there without the burden of, yeah, being the quote unquote owner of a brick and mortar. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, I gotta tell you, like I have learned so much from this entire experience. I, it was like, I had been, you know, and I've been teaching for years, but it was like, I had basically just started teaching again. Like I was back to square one and I had to introduce myself to these people. And I, I got so, I like, I don't get nervous before I really teach any class anymore. I got so nervous my first couple of classes here. And I noticed myself just, you know, crawling into a ball and just being like, like me, like me. And whoever showed up for class, I would just be like, Oh, like, thank you. So like overly thankful, <laughs> a little <laughs> annoyingly thankful. Um, until I finally took a step back and people actually started to come to class that I didn't personally reach out to or invite. And, you know, I could tell words started to spread a little bit and I was like, Oh my God, like Alexis, you're fine. You need to relax. And what you're doing here, again, that validation, um, it's, it's working. So you need to just, you know, trust, you need yeah. to trust yourself and what you brought to the table. And, you know, it's hard to, because being, I'm still teaching at, um, Equinox, my full schedule, but the, the members don't, they have to pay an extra, I don't know what it is, 35 for, to take the class. So it's not part of their membership. So right. you which have to, which like anybody that's not an Equinox member can go to project by Equinox. So I think that's something like if, right people might not necessarily know. You don't have to be an Equinox member, which I think is also unique to this, that it opens it up for Equinox platforms. So not so great for the members, but also great for people that don't want to join the gym. Right. And you can still take, you know, the caliber of classes. Um, But yeah, so that was like a whole thing too, is how to expand my following on, I've you know, I, I think I turned to social media mostly at first, but then it just became more kind of like word of mouth and like talking to people and honestly, just talking with other instructors there and kind of getting in with them and figuring that out as well. But it was, it was crazy. I was like, Alexis, why are you, you're so nervous. You've been doing this forever now. Why are you acting like this is your first class you've ever taught? And You know, it does feel, especially when I first started teaching silhouette, I was like, it feels like you're putting your baby out there for people to say, Oh, I like it. Or I don't like it. Or your blood, sweat and tears. It's just on a you know showcase for everyone to judge. And oh, that's so terrifying. It's yeah. It's so, so personal. And whether um, like, you know, my husband and I talk about this a lot is like, we're very close to the work that we do. We're entrepreneurs and it's coming from us. And it is, it's like you're birthing something and to then because people will offer feedback, critique, criticism, whatever. And it's hard not to get those defenses up and, and shield it. And it, it, it takes some time to be able to be in a place where you're like, okay, noted, I got it. Without feeling like your world is like turned upside down because we, we hear the positive comments, great, great, great. We want those. You hear one like, Hey, I, what about if you do this? And you're like, ah, <laughs> that's what puts yeah. you in the tailspin. And it could be just like one out of a hundred or whatever it is. And 
it, it's vulnerable. You're putting your idea out there. You've created this thing that you spend so much time and passion and like you love it. And it's hard. It's hard. And that's why it's so nerve wracking. And even if you don't come up with your own program, you're teaching for the first time or whatever, it's, you're putting yourself in front of a room of people with all eyes on you. Like there will be things going through people's minds, right? And we don't, can't control that. And it's hard not to like, yeah, go into that like freak out mode of like, please like me. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I would just be, you know, messaging these people and be like, thank you so, so much. Do you want to come again? Like, <laughs> I was the worst. <laughs> well, I think I said, I don't think I recorded it, but, but like, uh, you know, I, like, I just want to be a typical middle child. Like, I just want everyone to be friends. I want to be friends with everybody. Yeah. I want everyone to get along. Like, let's hold hands. Like, I mean, my whole mission statement is like creativity, community, inclusivity. I just like, can we all hold hands and do this together? <laughs> like, I love that idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't always happen, right? But like, that is like, yeah, it's, it, of course, we want those validations and all of that and, you know, coming back and it, it's good. And it's good to have that personal connection at the same time, because that connection is is what keeps people around. And it's not just another class that they can take somewhere else. It's that they're coming also for you. So I want you to kind of share with our listeners, what is Silhouette and how did this idea come about for you? Um, so yeah, it was, you know, like I said, back when I got off the ship and then my friends told me to audition, and I started teaching just a ton of bar and um, that was awesome. And then I started to, you know, teach other formats as well. And I essentially just realized, you know, in New York and for most New Yorkers, they'll say their time is valuable. And I have a lot of moms that are private clients and they'll say, you know, I just, I want to go in, I want to get the whole workout in and then I want to be done. I don't want to go in and hmm. maybe take a bar class and then have to go on a treadmill for 30 minutes just to make sure I got the cardio in. And I just wanted to get it all in at once. And I was like, Hmm. I think we can make this happen. So the idea of Silhouette is to fuse, you know, the warm up really gets your heart rate up and it really gets the body energized and going and, you know, excited to uh, sculpt and kind of tone the rest. And I wanted to keep that cardiovascular element woven within the class so that your heart rate does go up and then it goes down and it goes up and goes down. So you're, you leave, as all the girls will tell you that have taken the class with me at Project, like you're getting the sweat on and you're at the same time, it's just, you know, I, I take bar classes in the city and you're just sitting in a pulse for, you know, five counts of eight and then you're tucking for another five. It can just get to be so redundant mm -hmm. for me personally. And I realized that I wasn't the only one where that would kind of feel like the case. And so I, I, I mean, I changed my, it's almost a different tiny, tiny, tiny little differences in the movements, but you're not going to get bored. You're not going to be doing a tuck for eight counts, eight counts of eight or whatever. You're going to, you know, it almost changes every two counts of eight, sometimes every count of eight, or I just put together little variations with the big movements woven in with the little movements that, you know, it's still definitely show results and then still keep your heart rate up. And you're just constantly essentially like re-energizing the body, getting the heart rate up. And then you're just going, you can get deeper into the actual work. So that's the idea. And that's how it was born. And bar Pilates and dance cardio are my three personal mm -hmm. favorite ways to 
work out and I think just what I teach and kind of do best. And um, I, like I said, when I just started uh, workshopping it before I even taught it at Project, people were like, yeah, I, you know, once I kind of got that, that kind of response, I was like, so this doesn't, this isn't just me. This isn't just me being, you know, vain and being like, oh, well, I like to dance. And so this is what shows, you know, the results I want in my body. And the girls were saying like, oh my God, my arms are looking so much better. And, you know, hearing those kind of things, I was like, well, we got to make this accessible to more people and accessible to everyone. And, you know, it, it, seeing how it requires little to no equipment, I was like, we can do this at home. Yeah. And then essentially that's what birthed um, the, well, that along with also getting like on Instagram, I would always get messages like, where can I, I don't live in New York city. Where can I stream your class and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what, Alexis, just do it. <laughs> just make the website and, you know, launch silhouette on the website. And yeah, it's been going yeah. well ever since. And we have our first like audience member, right? Like if there's something that we want, I mean, that's how exactly how bar variations came along I didn't want to do the same movement I was a dancer I was a mover I was moving my body changing direction you know every count of eight other, other whatever two counts of eight I'm changing I'm so with you on that because that's what I was used to in my daily life because as a performer and it was what I liked to do when I was off stage as well like I wanted to keep that going and being your own first first audience member right you do what you you do what you know and you do what you like and what you're good at and there's going to be other people like you right and as you found that through your clients saying like oh yeah like this is working like my arms are also getting tones and again as dancers we kind of get things through osmosis right it's like well okay I never lifted weights before I was doing ballet my arms were insanely ripped I mean I still have nice arms now but when I was full-time dancing I was like (laughs) And I didn't lift a weight at all. So knowing that I could just have me and my body work out and get results and see results and feel good, it's empowering that like all you need is you. And so having those other people like come to you and say like, again, validate that moment of like, yeah, it works for me too. It's like, yes, okay, good. And then being able to grow that and you're essentially filling that need or that pain point for people. And then what a natural progression of like, you have people reaching out like, Hey, I want to join the party too. Where can I find you? And giving you the push to go bigger. So what is kind of like your big dream for like your online silhouette by Alexis platform? Oh oh my gosh. I just want it to keep growing. I just love like, so (laughs) How much time you have? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, and now where are you going? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to keep it alive right now. No, but um, I just, I love like, like I've been getting these messages. I, I, like I said earlier, like I, I love that I am just making a difference and I just, I want to figure out how I can, you know, and this might come more to, might be a question more for my web developer, but I want to create, like, I really want to create a community and I want these girls talking to each other and like sharing their experience with each other and, um, I, I don't know, I just want it to keep growing right now. I want to, right now it's still, it's still a work in progress. I'm learning literally every step of the way as I go. And I'm trying to even take the requests that I get. And, you know, I had one of my girls ask for more like Pilates ring work and I was like, all right, well, if you guys have the rings, then I guess let's use the rings. <laughs> and so I'm going to, you know, cater to each individual as best I can. 
while still trying to reach a mass audience. Um, and then, yeah, eventually I would, I could go two directions, you know, if, if Equinox wanted to buy it from me, that would be cool too. But I, I, I don't know if I want to open up my own studio, but I definitely want to keep teaching it and I want to teach it all over the world. And I want to, you know, tell these girls that they can be confident in their own bodies and that it doesn't, you know, people think fitness and especially coming from Equinox world, like they think only like the privileged can work out and only the privileged can move their bodies. And I, I really think it's accessible to everyone. Like if you just have the right tools and, you know, if you just start, you just have to start and you just have to start moving and you just have to, for my moms that are coming back from giving birth and from, you know, I have one of my clients just got badly injured and she's just coming back from her injury and she's terrified. She put on all this weight while she was recovering from the injury and it's just starting. It's just knowing that, you know, things will change and our body's a living organism. And I want the girls to know that like, you're not, you know, post giving birth or anything like that. Like it's, you can change again and you can, you don't have to wake up every morning and feel sluggish and you can re-energize the body. You just have to find something you like and you just have to start and you just have to trust. So I just want that message to grow more and more. (laughs) The accessibility too. I think you hit the nail on the head there where, you know, working at a big gym, not everybody can come. Okay. Now there's project by Equinox. Anybody can come. Well, the price point, you know, I'm there with you. We're in New York city. The price of the drop-in classes are not cheap here. (laughs) So then it's like, okay, now you have this online platform that is affordable. It is a fraction of a cost of one class to take with you in person. And then you have your social media where here's some clips, like taking those moves and putting them, you know, in your collections folder to do later at home, you know, whether it's like you're working out for five minutes or 50 or whatever it is, it's something, right? Like you can always start Mm -hmm. and there's always like a way to engage. and, And that's why I love like doing the online stuff too, because it's like, yeah, my hourly rate is not for everybody, but here's a way that can be for everybody on some level where you don't need problem. You don't need the fancy equipment. You don't need all of that stuff. And, um, it's exciting. That's really exciting. And just putting it out there for yourself of like wanting to share your message with everybody. It's powerful, right? I mean, you've already see that, like, you know, you can touch people and change their lives and be an impact. And that's, it's crazy. Like I'll never forget because we launched, which I would never suggest to anyone, but we launched New Year's Day because it made my it made all of our New Year's Eve very stressful to say the least. But um, I I'll, I'll never forget when we got that first subscriber, and it was a name that I didn't know, and I was like, oh my god, it's not my mom. <laughs> I was like, someone's actually. And they didn't cancel right away, so they're and they still haven't canceled. I can I can remember the name like it was yesterday, um, and it's just so cool. I'm like, this this makes it all worth it, you know. This makes it, Alexis, just keep chugging along, just keep keep pushing. Like you're doing something right. If you have, you know, five names, five people, or whatever it is, um, and that first launch day and that first hour that are just like subscribing, like you're doing something right. Like you need to trust. All you have to do is start, which I did. And then now all I have to do is trust and keep chugging along. So yeah, you get yeah. One, one person and that means it works, right? Like all you need is that one person, you know, and to keep that fire going and building and, and it's great. Absolutely. 
and it can become an, a community, you know, and we see that through social media and we see it with other platforms and that's always like exciting too, like of getting to know who's on. And sometimes people don't realize like we're on the back end of our websites. We know your name, you know, like, <laughs> we, know who we do, I'm just we know, like, not everything about you, but that's creepy, but we know a lot more and we're in touch more than people realize, right? Like, and I'm sure for you, like the emails are coming from you. The content is coming from you, obviously. And when it comes to the community, they're speaking to you, you're speaking to them. So I always like just encourage people like comment, share, email, like you have a question you want to request, do it, whatever it is, talk to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel the same way. Like you want to hear from people requesting or saying this is great or like, oh, I would love more of this because we're really do we're doing this for others, you know, like first it starts right. ourselves, like I want to do something that speaks to me and I love this and hopefully someone else likes it too, you know, and then it really is about others. It's like, this is for you. What do you want? Obviously staying in alignment with your own message and your own vision, but like, yeah, it is so great when people reach out. So it is so cool to see too. Like I, I, I can't so much see the names as much as my programmer can, but I can see, um, like where the, like more of like the demographics. Okay. And I had like someone from Ethiopia the other day and I was like, what? Um, and then I had, you know, just mostly they're all over the States, but, um, that's so cool. Like every time I see a new one from, you know, another state I'm like oh my god they know I exist and they know, they're like in the format like that's so cool girl when it's really you nothing your, more powerful yeah <laughs> when you do your first big presenter moment and you're outside of New York City and someone comes up to you and tells you I follow you on you know on Instagram and or I, or oh I'm gosh. a member of your site let me tell you like it's, I'll cry I I'll definitely cry. Yeah, I, I was totally that. I was like, "Why are you following me?" Like, it is so. It's just so exciting. And again, like me going back to wanting to be best friends with everybody. Like, I truly am like amped. Like, I meet so many people off Instagram. Like, in like crazy. And it's to me, I'm like, it, person's like, "This is crazy." Like, you're speaking, whatever. Like, you're here, and I'm like, "No, no, no. It's crazy. You're here." <laughs> <laughs> thank you you know it's so exciting and it it really just kind of like solidifies like the world is a small place we're all in this together and you know like it's just fun and it, it is a community and it's joyful and being able to create that tribe and all of that and uh, right it's so amazing and again we're recording this 14 days after or 13 days after your launch <laughs> and uh it's going to be great. I can't wait to see it grow, but I want to Thank hear you from so you too about, you know, this is our hurt at the bar moment. You know, if there's a uh, kind of a myth or a fact or something that you hear from clients or in a studio or from other teachers about bar that you either know to be a myth or you're like, this is so true. Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind, not that this is a myth necessarily, but I just personally love when this happens and I'll get like, you know, like a bro, like a, a manly man and he'll come and he'll be either if his wife is pulling him by the neck into class or, um, you know, he's just like, 
going to come to the studio and laugh at all the girls, whatever the case may be. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I just, you know, need to see, this happens to me all the time. It's like, I need to see what the hype is and I need to see if you guys actually get anything out of this, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh my God, they're dying. They usually have to leave early because they came and get through it and they're, or they just, I mean, I'm, the other day when he was just drenched, nobody could stand by him because they would have been swimming because there was literally <laughs> pools of sweat everywhere. And I just, I just eat this up and I'm like, do, do you need more towels? You know, like, what can I do? <laughs> they, they always come up to class. They're like, damn, like that was so much harder. And like, yeah, all right. Thanks for coming. Um, you know, it's, I, that's not a myth necessarily, but I just love the bros and the guys that are just like, why do these girls just sit and tuck all day and think that it's going to do something? Well, let me tell you, come take class and let's talk. (laughs) Well, also, especially being at a big gym, like you have access to like, you know, a pretty 50-50 demographic and I'm going to put it out there. If you're a dude looking for a lady. You get your go, butt to class yeah hold a bar class. class man like <laughs> you will meet lots of people so it's <laughs> yeah it can also be a sneaky dating tactic but yeah there's always that like curiosity and I'm I'm happy to hear that more you know whether it's whatever place it's coming from I'm just happy to hear that like more men are sneaking into class and being like what's up what is this I see these ladies totally sweating it out and like what is like my husband has yet to take my class i'm calling him out here we are 2020 <laughs> um he took pilates for me um we've taken yoga to next to each other he's also disgusting you don't want to stand next to him he will sweat all over <laughs> and <laughs> gotta me, love him yeah exactly he's seen me teach bar a couple times and you know most recently when we were in england and he he's just like no I'm good man like I get it I'm not doing that you know (laughs) and he's like a jujitsu guy he'll weight lift he does all the things I don't want to do and it's so funny and I'm just like I teach in our neighborhood I'm like come to class come on come on come on maybe it's coming from a place for me where I just like want revenge right like some kind of like no I want you to like sweat and shake and whatever but it is uh it is good to know that you're not alone. My boyfriend just took silhouette for the first time about a couple of weeks ago and he, Oh my God, the poor thing. He, he tried, he would hate, he'll hate when he hears this, but he tried so hard. But I mean, the first words out of his mouth were that was humbling, (laughs) which is so true. It is. Yeah. And I'm glad like more men in general are just getting comfortable with like oh it's another modality right you know it's it's so great and um, yeah so that brings me to what's in your bar your b-a-r my like at my bar at my like a your you know your bar cart your cocktails in the fridge your kombucha your tea are you a oh oh my gosh like what do I drink oh I could talk about this Um, they are the bar (laughs) I gotcha I gotcha okay so I I mean I'm a psycho when it comes to water you'll never see me I literally can't leave the house without a water bottle in my as boring as that is I I notice a huge 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 change in me physically and my um, energy levels and just my mental clarity when I'm not super, super, super hydrated. And especially if I have a couple, you know, cocktails the night before or whatever the case may be, 
And especially because like if I am even slightly dehydrated, I cramp up and I get really, really, really painful cramps on my side. So I have to be super, super, super hydrated. And I'm teaching, you know, 30 hours a week or whatever the case may be. So it's very, 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 very important um, that I always, always have water on me. Um, but that's boring. So I, I mean, I have a cup of coffee every morning and any health professional will tell you that, oh my God, you should not do that. But I have to have a, this is one thing I will never give up is a little, little tiny splash of half and half. Mm. I hate, hate almond milk. I hate soy milk. I've tried it a million times. I can't get into matcha. I'm just not that cute. So I just stick, (laughs) I stick with my black coffee with just literally a drop of half and half. Um, and I don't know when I go out, I don't drink soda anymore. I, I hate the yucky feeling it gives me in my stomach. I used to live. That was another thing I did on the shit thinking that, you know, curb my appetite and it would make me feel and all this stuff. But I would drink diet Coke, Coke, like a maniac. Mm. I was like, it's zero calories. And <laughs> oh my God, all that sodium would make me so bloated. And it's so bad because it's, I was like, I remember in high school, me and all my friends, it's, we would live off diet Cokes and just be like, oh my God, we're so skinny. And, <laughs> oh, that's a bad myth. But, I mean, well, like I said before, diet is diet with a T. No, I'm <laughs> it is. Um, no, I'm with you on the water. I mean, you, you just—I'm boring too. Like I don't. Well, you know, after going through a pregnancy of, you know, I, mocktails were fun, but also like, eh, who cares? <laughs> you want the real thing? Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's just silly. I'm paying the same price for like not as much fun and. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, like, it's, it's good that you need to stay hydrated. My latest thing is putting um, tea bags into my water bottle. So it's like an iced tea and it's a little bit of flavor, which is kind of fun too. Um, okay. Yeah. So th- thank you for sharing all that. I'm so happy to have you on here today. Can you let everybody know where we can find and follow you? Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's, um, at silhouette by Alexis. And because nobody knows how to spell silhouette, it's S I L H O U E T T E. I know it's been like, we haven't spelled silhouette since we were like eight, but myself included, I mess it up many a times, (laughs) but it's only one L not two S I L H O U. Yeah. I'll make sure I link it in the show notes as well. Um, that's so great. Well, thank you again. <laughs> check out Alexis. Check out her on Instagram. Go to the website. It's all under the same name. So with Alexis. So can't wait to see. Thank you class. so much for having me. This was so fun. I'm going to come take your class soon. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to write into the podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at Bar Variations. You can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com where you will find show notes, archive episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.